I saw a study, Len, the ECMC put out a study from 2023 that found that 35% of high school students do not believe post-secondary education is essential and 63% are are willing to consider non-four-year degree options. Welcome everybody. I'm Lynn Burks, Chief Associate for the Higher Education Collaborative at Hazard Young and Associates. And I also serve on the board of directors for American Association of University Administrators and a member of the Professional Development Committee. Good afternoon, I'm Sandra Affinito. As a higher education administrator deeply committed to leadership advancement, I serve on the executive committee as well with Lynn of AAUA and as a chairperson for our Professional Development Committee. So for our audience, welcome. A warm welcome to a new podcast series titled The New Frontier, Reimagining Higher Education, an AAUA production. Today, we'll be speaking to leaders across the country on current issues facing higher education. Today's topic, Unpacking Gen Z. We will be joined by Jennifer Cole, National Director of Workforce Development and Strategic Partnerships at MedCERTS, which is a national online training provider strengthening the workforce through innovative e-learning solutions. Responsible for overseeing strategy and business development efforts at MedCERTS, Jen will be sharing her research experience with Gen Z, as well as the work she's engaged in. She's really involved with creating innovative solutions in our workforce and working not only with educators, but state leaders, grant agencies and businesses to provide access to educational and career-related opportunities in support of the new learner. And welcome, Jen. We are just delighted to have you as our first guest to talk about the new learner. And, And while learners and learner preferences, no doubt, have been changing for decades with AI and the changing workforce and COVID, these preferences have really accelerated. So we really appreciate being able to have this discussion with you around who is the new learner. Higher ed, post-secondary systems particularly uh, are struggling to kind of meet the preferences and the needs of these learners. So so we're just dearly excited to to really have this discussion. So you're on this podcast, Jen, because you're a pioneer. Tell us about that. Tell us about your journey and and what got you here and, and, and your passion for the work that you do. Thanks, Lynn. Before I, I dive in, I just want to say a special thank you to Lynn and Sandra and the AAUA for having me. What an honor to join you on your first episode. Um, a little bit about me and the passion that's developed. So I've spent my career in education and workforce development. So I started in boutique style curriculum development for community colleges and universities. And there I got a firsthand kind of boots on the ground experience working with hundreds of campuses and learning about admissions and degree programs. And that's what really jump-started my interest in why are people making the decisions they make, what leads students to pick an academic institution, to pick a course, to pick a degree or a career. And so then fast forward to my time at Tallow, where we were building the LinkedIn for Gen Z. So Tallow was the first of its kind 
connection platform for high school students to explore degree programs, career opportunities. We worked with some of the largest companies in the world, such as Lockheed Martin, Boeing, John Deere, Caterpillar, Deloitte, some of the largest student organizations, such as Project Lead the Way, First Robotics, and academic institutions all over the country, from my personal alma mater, Clemson University, but to the University of Pittsburgh, to Oregon Technical Institute. But, you know, at Tallow, we were on a mission to understand Gen Z and enable our partners with data and insight so that they could make informed decisions about outreach and connection strategy with the new generation. The founder of Tallow, Casey Welch, he really had the foresight to see what was coming and understood what our our future workforce that you know, the future workforce was the students that were sitting in the classroom. And if we wanted to get ahead of the workforce shortages that we were going to face then, then we needed to start building connections now with Gen Z in a very authentic and transparent way. And that means, you know, earning their trust, building brands and really focusing on the long game. And and now, right, what the workforce looked like five years ago looks incredibly different than what it looks like now. It's, it's even more competitive. We have enrollment numbers decreasing for higher ed quicker than we've seen. We have thousands of jobs that our employers can't fill. And that's led me to where I am today at MedCerts, where we're focused on increasing enrollment for academic institutions through articulated credit programs and helping stand up new healthcare and IT programs and even adding certification into degree programs. And then you know, on the other side of that, working with the employers directly, making sure our academic programs match to their job demand and help them build a pipeline of skilled talent, focusing on attraction, retention, and risk for our workforce. So uh, that you can see probably just in, the, in that background there where the passion comes from, but really excited to talk today about Gen Z in particular. Yeah, well, let's get right to it. So, you know, what, what, you know, what do we need to understand about Gen Z? We know, first and foremost, they're questioning the ROI of post-secondary. They're questioning, you know, what, what is the return on investment? They're definitely wanting clearer, shorter pathways that, you know, kind of get them to their next stage in their career, whatever that may be. So what, you know, so, so as we unpack them, you know, you know, what, what do you want to share about them? What were some of the most deepest insights that you really were able to pull out of that deep data rich system hallow that you worked on for so long oh there's a lot so kind of the 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 entry level things to know right they're they're born between 1995 to 2012-ish there's about 68 over 68 million of gen zers in the country today just in the u.s and they are the first generation to never know the world without the internet right and they are the the most diverse generation we've had yet so we know they're independent. We know they're tech savvy. We know they like to invest in self-service. They are not the, hey, I want to chat. Hey, I want to pick up the phone and talk. Hey, I want to email back and forth, right? They want to be able to find information on their own in a quick and effective way. Um, they are very focused on adopting ethical and environmentally friendly practices, 
Um, interestingly, we, we learned that they spent more time researching before making a decision. And how are they researching? It's largely video content, right? And we can maybe attribute some of that to the, the new social media platforms that are out there, but um, video still video is king. They are, interestingly enough, also less concerned about data privacy, maybe than my generation, former generations, right, where that is top of mind constantly. Um, and Gen Z combined with millennials, we are forecasting will be the lead in generative AI usage. So, you know, that alone is another big technology wave, like you mentioned, Lynn, coming in. And they're questioning things, right? They want, before going into a degree program, they want to know the value. What They, they are thinking about their long-term steps because we know they are loyal and they want to know what comes after the degree. Yeah, yeah. And they're, and compared to the millennials, they're, they're more engaged relationships mean more to them. Relationships and building relationships with them. They trust, you know, they're, they're questioning the systems, but they definitely have identified individuals, in, you know, in the educational space that, that they trust. And they really demand partnerships and relationships with them. So they are digitally native. They're digital, they're, excuse me, they're digital natives but they also appreciate that face-to-face -face and, and some of that personal connection that is important because relationships do, do matter to them. Mm -hmm. um, so that being said, I'm, I'm, fast, this, I'm fascinated by the fact that they're actually making some decisions about post-secondary uh, choices way before we thought they were, right? So talk a little bit about that. Like when, when are they... When are they really starting to have those conversations and even in terms of who they want to work for? Yeah. So, you know, I think what we used to see is that students would look to the school they wanted to attend, right? Now we know that over 70% of early talent are skipping that step. They're looking to the employer they want to work for, right? So then they're working backwards to figure out, is it a degree? Is it a certification? Is it a CTE program? How do I get to that career? And then what resources do I have at my disposal to get there, right? And so college or a higher education pathway is a stepping stone to the career. I mean, over 70%, right? Like that number is huge of early talent saying, oh, I'm already figuring out in high school, what I'm going to do, right? I know I was not thinking of that in, in high school myself. And so I think that's interesting how the landscape has changed as career backwards and how they're building a plan for themselves to get there. Right. Because we are, you know, that formula of you go to school, you do what they say, you, 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 you kind of you just follow the rules and then you go to college for four years and that's your recipe. And then you're going to work for somebody for 30 years. They're questioning all of that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you know, they're, you know, first, you know, they're deciding who they want to work for and what potential careers are there. And then how do they get there on their own pathway? Right. They're, they're, they're somewhat rejecting the pathways that we had seen as traditional and they're kind of, they're pioneers themselves and they are of how they get there. 
They are. What used to be very linear is not anymore, right? What used to be, hey, I'm going to get into this industry and stick in this career and stay there. It, it doesn't look like that. Gen Z, I think we will see a huge wave of industry changers, job changers, while the research has shown that they are very loyal, they're brand aware, they like to be associated with certain things that they identify with, right? What that career or stepping stone to get to that career will look very different. And we'll see them kind of, I know you can't see me on the podcast, but I like to talk with my hands, right? They're going left, right, left, right, left, right. and jumping around rather than just that traditional linear pathway that we might've thought, thought of. And for the academic institutions, right? We should be taking that into consideration. What steps are we building for a continuous learner, right? Gen Z really sees themselves as a learner who it's not a, a one-time, two-year, four-year experience, and then I go into a career. They might come back to you later down the road. They might decide that there's flexibility or autonomy for them to stick and move and continue that learning process. So I think it's something that as academic institutions, we need to really consider how are we staying relevant and how are we showing the value to be the connective tissue for them to get the next step, get to right. the next step with that employer. Right. Um Something else is they are, so to, you, you, you talked about this, 68, 68 million of them, 2.47 billion Gen Zs in the world. Think about that. And the largest and the most diverse. They are, they're, they're coming, their academic preparedness is, we know that they, they live through COVID and, and we are seeing they're not as academically prepared maybe as we would think at that certain stage. We know that debt's debt is important to them. They may have debt already. You know, they come from diverse households that, you know, so taking on additional debt and, and that, you know, those, those discussions and decisions that they're having about what is this ROI and what is this pathway? I mean, they're being very practical about it. Yeah, they really are. So I saw a study, Lynn, the ECMC put out a study from 2023 that found that 35% of high school students do not believe post-secondary education is essential, and 63% are, are willing to consider non-four-year degree options, right? So you take those percentages with the numbers you just shared, right? Um it is so important that academic institutions are partnering with the high schools. So if a student is not considering a four-year degree, but they are going into a local CTE program, they see the connection down the road to the academic institution, right? So their CTE program might get them their high school credit, get them continuing education credit through an articulated degree program, right? Get them a certification, get them into the workforce, where then in the workforce, 95% of employers have a tuition reimbursement program. So then they're using the employer dollars to go to college, right? So then if you bring together the high school, the academic institution, the local employer, right? We've built career pathways where the education requirement is mapped out every step of the way and a student, a parent is never going into debt for it, right? That's a lot of the work that we're doing at MedCerts in the CTE world is putting students into an entry-level allied training program that leads to an industry-recognized credential 
while they're still in high school, right? They transfer from high school, like I said, with that certification at 18 years old and get a job in their local healthcare system. Then we build the articulated credit pathway, the credit for prior learning pathway with the local academic institution who is already partnered with the local employer, right? And then the student goes from an entry-level medical assistant all the way to an RN and it's all mapped out. It's the pipeline for the academic institution. It's the pipeline for the employer. They're solving the workforce shortage before it's ever started for themselves. It makes the the high schools look really good because they're evaluated on that. They're evaluated on how many of the, of their students graduate with a certification, with a degree, it, with a job. And then ultimately what's most important for all of us is the learner experience, right? Like that learner experience could not be better because they aren't going into any debt. They aren't you know, having to figure things out on their own. I mean, that is one of the biggest barriers I think we see in academics right now is people don't know how to get connected, right? They don't know about alternatives. We are, while we know the data is starting to show that people are looking outside of a traditional four-year degree, it's still not very accessible, right? Like, how do I get into these programs? How do I look at other options that are available? And so that's one more thing we're solving for when we're meeting the students as early as possible. And, and for us, that's 11th grade. And think about that, right? And 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 where a lot of post-secondary institutions maybe are making may, maybe those connections with these learners, you know, maybe not till senior year in high school, no doubt that it, it's telling us that we need to start maybe even in, in middle school. <laughs> yeah. And so some of these programs have to start happening in middle school. You know, it's almost like, you know, your high schools are now kind of your new community college, right? Where, I mean, really, there should be no reason why students shouldn't walk out of high school with multiple certifications and, and maybe even several years of credit getting them to that job. So we just recently partnered with Indiana Tech University, and they are giving students up to 30 hours of credit for going through a med certs program. So to your point, right, then that, that high school student is getting the academic institution credit and then therefore incentivized to continue, you know, pursuing a degree post-graduation with that academic institution. So, you know, I say that to say, like, think about where your future incoming class is coming from, right? Like, it is most likely not going to be the traditional model or the the traditional admissions experience that you're used to, right? Like what admissions looks like for the academic institutions is going to be different. We're going to have a really diverse pool of learners coming in and it'll be critical for our academic institutions to just refine their audience, fine tune their message, identify awareness gaps they might have and refine the approach to make sure they're meeting people where they're at. Yeah, yeah. So let's kind of shift over, you know, the employer a little bit. What, what you know, you know, the other is, as you talk about these alternative pathways, yeah, I think we hear this all the time, skills, skills gaps, need to develop skills. The, you know, so when you look at some of these alternative pathways that may eventually become mainstream, what a wonderful opportunity for learners to come in and also fine tune skills. So not only are they getting content expertise, but they're also getting skills. They're getting, they're also 
building capacity and, and what it what it's like to be in a business environment. They're getting they're learning a lot about who they are and what they're supposed to be doing. And and it's providing that 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 canvas, that experiential learning canvas for them to do that. What about you know, let's talk a little bit about the employers because Gen Z is also really disrupting on the employer side too, right? So um, one of the interesting interesting facts about Gen Z is, is work is not really central. It's called work centrality. And it's not that work's not important to them. It's just not the purpose of their lives, right? Like they really do believe in, in also work-life balance. So maybe talk a little bit about, you know, some of, so not only are they kind of disrupting and questioning potential uh, education systems or learner pathways, talk a little bit about the employer too, and some of the disruption that they're also, um, you know, they're, they're also kind of causing in the workplace. Yeah, well, whatever applies for the academic institutions experiencing from as Gen Z, right? The work, the workforce and the employers are experiencing it too. And that can come in such a variety of ways. You think of even just, right, if you are one employee in a huge system, right? How are you getting information about your benefits? How do you know about your tuition assistance programs? How do you know what to go to who for what, when, right? And knowing that's something that's important to Gen Z is they feel independent, they're tech savvy. Um, so I think for employers, it's important to consider like, what do your benefit packages look like, right? We've, I think Lynn, you and I have talked before, like it, it used to be this traditional, like, oh, you get this big pension and they were these, these, uh, I hate to say old school, but kind of old school practices for like, hey, this is what we're going to, we're going to do to keep you tied to this employer. And those things just aren't going to work anymore because we don't have enough people. Right. So if every person who is unemployed today went into the workforce tomorrow, we still would have open jobs. So it is just going to continue to get very competitive for employers to keep the employees they have. And so you have to look at what do benefits look like? How are you keeping people engaged? Are you accommodating of the different work style, work life balance practices that they're looking for? Are you investing in things that that they're passionate about, right? Like going back to the ethical and environmental friendly practices, right? Like this Gen Z identifies with anything they associate themselves with. They want to feel connected to it. Um and so I think another thing is the tuition benefit, right? Like that is maybe arguably like another really big benefit. We had the old school pension. Now we see tuition benefits, right? Knowing that that is such a, a low hanging benefit that could be so largely impactful in someone's career, right? To go continue education that that ties to a, a job that they're already in place. So I know they're, you know, at MedCerts, we partner with Guild, right? Like there are great systems out there that compare the academic institutions with the employer partners and make sure those tuition wow. assistance, learning and development opportunities, right? Going back to Gen Z, they like to learn. They are going to be our generation that is continuously learning, making sure that those systems are in place so that this, Gen Z knows how to access the information. Um, I think it will also be 
the other side of like, how do we keep Gen Z in the workforce? <laughs> the other side of how do we get them there, right? Like, how do we get them to the jobs in the first place? And like you said, Lynn, I, I saw this morning, the governor of Massachusetts just dropped degree requirements yeah. for almost all state job listings, right? And, and asked the large employers in the state to follow her. And so that's something to consider too of, the resumes that are submitted, the application process, it's all going to look different, right. Right? right? And so having a certification, having a credential, having a badge to demonstrate those skills will be even more important. Yeah. And, and Massachusetts, I mean, several states, you know, Pennsylvania recently also similar policy decision and employers themselves going right to the learners um, would just credentials, not degrees necessarily, but credentials. But you said something, Jen, I want to talk a little bit about too, though, you know, while, while, while these education pathways are being disrupted, learning is now lifelong. Yes. So, so that, so, so we have to think about supporting learners throughout an entire journey now that now goes throughout their career, which you know, particularly in, in, in higher education, we're not, you know, it's the four years and maybe a master's degree and you're done. But now that learning journey is now throughout an entire, you know, career and that that's opportunity. It's a, a different, that, that model looks different, but it's an opportunity. And, and, and they do, the Gen Z's do, they want to be supported professionally. They want to grow. And, 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 and so it actually fits nicely when you talk about all the, the constant upskilling and reskilling that has to happen due to automation and, and due to change accelerating, they fit very nice in that model. If, if, you know, and so the message is really for, for higher education and employers, right, to partner up and to build, to build systems that support this learner so they can prosper and, at, and actually so can higher ed and so can the employers. Yes. Yes. And, you know, you think about that continuous learning, right? Like Gen Z wants to do it. They're very absorbent of the information around them, but we're going to need it, right? Technology is evolving faster. I mean, yeah. six months ago, I tried chat G G T GPT for the first time, and I think I'm already <laughs> behind on that. We were talking about AI headshots before the podcast started, right? I mean, so we're going to continuously need that, right? Not a, hey, I need to go back for a four-year degree. Hey, I need to go get my master's in this, but I need short-term digestible information that I can get up to speed and running and know what I need to do and how I can do my job more effectively constantly. And yeah. Yeah. It, and that is just going to be back on the academic institutions to keep identifying those awareness gaps in the workforce and building programs and short-term digestible learning content that can keep us all moving at the rapid pace that we are because industry will keep going, right? Like industry is going to keep going. I saw it when I was working with the Lockheeds and Boeings of the world, right? If the training program wasn't there from the local academic institution, they build it themselves, right? We see that with hospital systems. Right. They'll build in-house programs themselves. So it, it really is critical that as educators, we all make sure we are looking ahead and building backwards, and it and it's based on workforce demand. I mean, being in healthcare now, right? Like no one wants to have a shortage of 
nurse educators, no one wants to have a, a shortage in the in the OR. So we think about that every day of, you know, our, what skills are we training people for that align to what a, a, a local healthcare system needs? Right. And how can, and, and how could, how could different options be available so you can fill those gaps, right? So there isn't just this one recipe anymore that, that there's, you know, there's opportunity to really kind of huddle around understanding more about the learner, understanding more about the needs, and then building these very creative learning pathways, you know, that support the learners and then also support the, to the employers. We could probably be here all day. Uh, let's just, let, let's just kind of pivot here a little bit. We know as wonderful as Gen Z is, we know that there also are some social emotion, like there's some social emotional issues and, and, and wellness. And so, you know, what can you share with us a little bit about, cause, cause their needs are different. You know, they're, they're, they're challenging the workplace cause they expect, they expect the workplace to also be a healthy culture, mm. you know, and, and they are coming with, with issues because they're diverse and they're coming from all sorts of different, you know, households and, and, and they're coming, they're coming to, in, to, to institutions or coming to employers at different inflection points. Talk a little bit about the social emotional issues that they're also coming with and, and how we could potentially support that. Yeah, this, this, I think we could sit here and talk about. All I know, that's probably another whole new podcast, right? <laughs> right. You know, and as a, a leader myself, who's gone through hiring, right? Like, I think it's something that employers have to consider in the interview process significantly as we look at skill-based hiring is the 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 social piece of it right we know gen z wants to be connected we know they are, they are diverse we know what they see themselves identifying with but making sure those practices are in place from the first time they have an in, an interaction with the employer right from that first hr recruiter phone call all the way through to, hey, I have a job, I am working with that employer now, you know, what kind of supportive resources does the employer have? How do they support a culture of diversity, of inclusion, making sure all voices are heard? What does that look like in the interview process? I mean, it's all critical. I am by no means an expert in it, but without a doubt, I have heard many, many talent acquisition and HR professionals talk about and arguably everyone uses a different word for it, but the social, the, the, the soft skills, right. And how to think critically, how to hold yourself in a professional situation, how to respond appropriately. And so I think that is a huge area of opportunity for our academic yeah. institutions too, to make sure that we're not just educating on, you know, very fact-based skills, but we are also looking at right. a well-rounded student and, and having the cues that they need and tied to technology, right? I mean, we would joke about oh. all the time, like put back to the professional heads, headshot, right? Don't use a Snapchat filter, right? Like, so, you know, it's, it, there is, like you said, I think that could be a whole podcast. Yeah. And even at the, from a, from a higher ed uh, standpoint, any education standpoint, uh, they, they do, you know, Teachers and professors are a trusted voice to them. And so it's, you know, we're, we're not just responsible for, you know, ensuring the content, they learn the content, but we're also there to build a sense of mattering, you know, to, to build 
you know, to build resilience. And so that is also kind of challenging on the, on the, on the educator's side. We really need to be able to build these healthy relationships with the students as well. It's important to them. And really it, 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 it you know, it's kind of supports the whole, the whole learner, not just that we're responsible for them learning the content, but you really are also responsible for also ensuring that you you do create you have presence and 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 that they're part of something bigger than just your class right which which they appreciate well we surely can be here all day sandra do you want to do you want to take us home yes well thanks again what a fascinating conversation from many lenses you know the the education lens, the workforce lens, but I'd be remiss if I didn't ask this final question. And if you were to sum it up, Jen, what is your hope? What is your hope for education for the learners we all collectively serve? So this is a really hard one to answer, but my hope would be that we all collectively move in a student-centered direction bringing down any historical biases, any historical reservations, that we move into the future with an open mind, with a lot of hope and optimism of what Gen Z and the generation after that and the generation of after that can bring to the table. And remember, at the end of the day, we're all human, right? We're all working towards a collective common goal of bettering our own lives, bettering each other's lives and working towards that together. Great, great. Well, tremendous uh, conversation. We'd like to thank you, our special guest, Jennifer Cole, National Director of Workforce Development and Strategic Partnerships at MedCERTS. Lynn and I would love to hear from you, so please feel free to contact me at sandra.affinito at aaua.org or Lynn at lynnburks at hyasearch.com. This is a production of the American Association of University Administrators, a nonprofit professional organization for higher education leaders and administrative personnel. It is the only professional association for individuals who are interested in the entire range of higher education management. So to learn more about us, about AAUA, or if you would like to join, please, please go to our website at www.aaua.org. And thanks again for listening. And um, thanks again, Jen. Yes. Thank you. Thank you both, Len, Sandra, the AAUA. Really appreciate it. Thanks for the conversation. Thanks, Jen.